0: Eight nine seven seven seven, or visit ccpg.org please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance cdkng.com/ football for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources if you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting you've come to the right place it's the even money podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve bezik Yeah, Vegas, baby, Vegas. It is the Even Money Podcast and it is presented by the DraftKings Sportsbook app and the DraftKings DFS app. Yep, that was the big news. I promised last week we are now DraftKings, guys, and there's a lot of good reasons for that. I'll get into them a little bit later in the show. He is Steve Fezzik, the only two-time winner of the Super Bowl of Professional Football Gambling, the Super Contest at the Westgate Casino. You can and should follow him on social media. He's at Fezzik Sports and only at Fezzik Sports on Twitter. I'm Ross Tucker, at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Have a bunch of different podcasts. Andrew Brandt was outstanding on today's Ross Tucker football podcast. You can follow along and know what's going to come up on every podcast. We're now previewing shows at Ross Tucker pod and giving you the highlight of shows at Ross Tucker pod, Twitter and Instagram. That's also the first place where we post all of the shows so that you know they're available. So you can actually just get notifications on Twitter and then when brian posts a show at ross tucker pod you know that it is ready by the way we're going to give you our stats over the last few years in a few weeks here you're really going to like i mean we we've really done well betting nfl football on this show and i think that's why we have so many listeners i think that's why so many of you are so engaged because you know over time not every week and not every whatever but, you know, 2018, I think I was down nine units. But overall, done very well on the show. So hopefully we can keep that up in 2020. So this is one of those funny things, Steve, where you kind of admire a guy from afar, his work on Sports Center. Now he's the host of the Daily Wager on ESPN, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. You can check him out on Twitter at Doug ESPN. And then only after the first time I talked to him did I find out that he and I had something in common. And then to bring him on today's show, I said, hey, Steve, we're going to have this guy, Doug Kazarian, come on the show today. And he's like, I love Doug. So evidently, we're all friends here. We all know each other. His name is Doug Kazarian. Doug, is it Doug Kazarian or Kazarian?
1: You know, it's a good question. I, I, qu- I haven't quite figured it out over these years, but in all seriousness, either one goes. Um, it's kind of like a combination of both, to be honest. So it's, you don't want to be too sharp on the ear, but it's not air either. So it's like kind of in between.
0: Got it. Okay. That makes sense. That's a, I, I like that explanation. Um, so I'm going to take a step back first, bring in Steve. And Steve, why do you love Doug? Like, I think I feel like we have to explain that before we dive into some of the stuff.
2: Well, I love Doug because he is uniquely qualified to take the torch, if you will, from mainstream sports and discuss sports betting. Because unlike so many other so called experts that have gotten into discussing sports betting, Doug really understood it when he was in Vegas and embraced it. So it's not something he has to bone up on, it's something that he has always done, in my opinion.
0: Doug, wow. your 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 uh, retort.
2: <laughs> well, you, both of you with quite the introduction, so
1: thanks to both of you. But um, that's very nice of Fezzik to do that. Say that. Uh, yeah, no. Look, I lived in Vegas for seven years, and when you are the local sports guy in any market, you kind of want to go all in on like the local teams. Now, if you're in Portland, you have the two sports teams with the MLS and also the Blazers. San Antonio, you just got the Spurs, and then obviously the bigger cities, you have multiple sports. You just got to go all in. Well, we our local team was kind of UFC was starting to take off when I got there in 05, and sports betting was part of my kind of DNA to begin with, and then I just figured, like, that's our local team, if you will, so we need to cover it in a certain way that makes it sort of must-see TV, because, you know, you know we, had, we had minor leagues in Vegas, and obviously they've since added the Golden Knights and stuff, but it's just a different animal. Sports betting is the home team in Vegas, the entertainment capital of the world as well. So I, I just felt like there was a way to do it and we can get really, do some fun coverage of it.
0: So Steve, uh, the the uh, point of commonality that Doug and I have is that I went to Princeton and every night when Doug goes to bed, he cries because he didn't get accepted <laughs> to Princeton. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he, he had uh he had to go to Brown instead. So that's what we have in common.
2: <laughs> I'm just
0: I a know. northwestern crab plumbing
1: with the Ivy um, Leaguers. But yeah, we overlap the same uh basically the same years. I had uh you know mutual friends through the football circle. So small world out there and coming full circle as we discussed earlier. It's really fun to sort of be on the on this w- with you guys and just um, you know, have a nice brevity. Uh, and it 's been a troubling double stretch here
0: yeah good well said doug and um so he actually i don 't even know if you know this, Steve, but Doug played water polo at Brown, and in general, I love water polo dudes because I love the way they look like they 're usually tall with like they look like tight ends like they 're pretty jacked, and they got' they're, you know they got a v which i like I just like dudes that look awesome, and most water polo dudes look awesome number one number two they're kind of mean like they have some mean to them which i really like too they get a lot of the qualities that i appreciate in in the male (laughs) species um so i like water polo dudes here's my first betting question doug is there any are, are there opportunities to bet on water polo and if so, when do you do it? Are you like like have have you just been like cleaning up for years betting on water polo or what?
1: <laughs> no, no. Look, it's like if we're taught, if Russian ping pong's on the board, anything's on the board. So you might notice when you're on the internet, you'll like try to go look up an NHL line or something like that, and you'll see in the columns on the side that they actually occasionally do have water polo listed. I mean sure it's the lowest limits ever, but there are professional leagues, particularly in Italy and uh, some of the, you know, main countries that play it. But Olympics, I actually did make a bet in uh, 08. China, the host country, played the U.S., and they are catching, like, nine goals, and it was, like, the opening game. I'm like, this thing's going to be a nail-biter, and the U.S. barely won. But for the most part, no, I have not been seizing the betting markets of water polo. Like, like anything, it just takes, you know, just because you play something, you guys know this, right? It's a numbers game more than it's a players game. and You know, you got to, like, really understand it all rather than just, like, know the nuances of a sport
2: I have a water polo story I had a friend on Northwestern's water polo team and they were playing Ohio State on Saturday and they for whatever reason they were they drove down to the meet and they had some affiliation the coach with the University of Dayton it's right on the way on I-70 and they said you know what why don't we just stop by on Friday afternoon we'll play a nice little exhibition with the Flyers before a game against Ohio State And the way he described it, I still remember, Doug, apparently the the pool is usually pretty cool when you play water polo. They cooked the pool so it was a good, like, six degrees hotter than normal. And the way that my friend described this was that it was just an element that he was so unused to. Not only did they get blown out in the so-called exhibition at Dayton, but they were done for the game against Ohio State the next night. (laughs) Whatever it takes. It's like the uh, Iowa Hawkeyes visitors locker room. Right. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, look, there's, there's all sorts of crazy. You, you, it's funny. You guys mentioned like the resiliency of water players. I mean, look, it's a pretty vulnerable position, right? When you're, cause you can't stand on the bottom. You're, you're kind of in the deep end. I'm going back to high school. Like in college when I played, like I was pretty, you know, proficient swimmer at that point, but like you're in ninth grade. Some guys are under, like I was really undeveloped. I was small for my class. And you're in like, you know, you're wearing a Speedo and and later I would wear a mouthpiece and that's it. Right. And so you really don't. And you the drowning was a concern sometimes you're going against some big guys. But then you learn a lot about yourself. And then fortunately, I had a really uh, a successful coach and a dominant program I was able to glean from. But uh, it, it definitely, you know, like all of us, we've all been shaped by our own experiences, people listening, you guys. Um, whether it be athletics or whatever through our own lives, and that's a played a big role in just my development. And I think honestly, doing that and committing to that and and seeing it through, because I wasn't like a swimmer per se growing up, so I had to like learn that component to it, has helped me in my career. Just sort of chasing something and staying focused on on a on a on a goal in mind, and as I sort of climbed the minor leagues of TV, if you will, and ultimately went to Vegas, then ESPN. I think it's, you know, like I said, we've all been shaped by past experiences from our life.
0: So, Doug, let's get into sort of the current sports landscape. Not a whole lot of firm dates on the calendar, but it does seem like the NHL, the NBA, Uh, Coming in 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 late July, maybe, we'll see what happens with baseball. I saw something this morning where somebody said 95 to 100% chance. They'll figure it out and they'll play. When you you read about the NBA's return to play plan or what Gary Bettman and the NHL said, did you have an immediate reaction in terms of a betting angle? Did, Did you have an initial thought about, wow, uh, this format, or this, I really like this team, or I think this gives an advantage to these types of teams, or anything like that?
1: Well, I think it's you take a step back, right? You assess the situation and you try to find reference points. Now, we had the near lockout um, in the NBA about a decade ago. And so, what did we learn then? It's obviously not quite apples to apples, but there's some parallels. Like maybe some guys are out of shape, like then, because it came to the 11th hour whether or not they're going to season that year. I think it was 99, excuse me, 09 or maybe sorry. Oh, seven. I don't know. I'm blanking on the year, but basically guys were out of shape because they weren't sure it was going to return. Now, I bet you we're going to have some of that this summer, especially because we learned that only a handful of players have the ability to work out like Durant's in a high rise in New York. You didn't really have the same gym and facility like LeBron. So a lot of players are in that, in that boat. So I think there's something you try to like find a reference point or something where you can sort of glean a perspective. Now, that being said, you don't have to be the first guy in the window either right you can sort of let it play out now obviously market moves and you miss opportunities but you also miss a chance to kind of blow money so i, I think there should always be ca- kind of a cautious approach you certainly can have a hunch and we're all going to be aching to fire once the sports returns across the board but i think you need to proceed with caution on a lot of this now in terms of a handicap i would imagine the teams that don't have sort of the legitimate championship aspirations, when you saw the Damian Lillard quote, even if technically they do go to that tournament or that venue and are playing eight regular season games or whatever it is, you wonder sort of the, I don't know, the aptitude or the ability of all these players, especially the stars. So I would think live wagering may be a good opportunity, kind of get a feel for things if you have those type of instincts. But that's what I would, you know, my number one thing would be like, you don't have to be the first guy you don't have to bet the first game.
0: What about you, Steve? We talked about it a little bit last week, but just kind of piggybacking off of what Doug said.
2: Yeah, in the NBA, I think Doug nailed it, that you got to look at the motivation for certain teams. So here's Portland that's been injured for most of the year. They get two starters back. And if there's a format that there's qualifying playoff rounds, I think Portland's a bet-on team. If they have a format where, hey, you, you guys are going to play six or eight more regular season games, and it's almost impossible for them to get in, then they're a fade team. I think the one team I'd look to bet against, regardless, is Utah. I think Utah has a lot of things going against them. They lose one of the best home court advantages in the NBA because of the altitude. Um, obviously, you've got the whole Rudy Gilbert-Mitchell um, fragmented relationship, which started um, all the sports shutting down back in March, and you just had a situation where Bogdanovich, the number two scorer, who's been hurt all year long, but's been playing with a ligament in his thumb, elected voluntarily to have surgery. That tells me a lot about Utah. And the fact that Bogdanovich had that surgery before the season ended, I think Utah's ready and effectively their season's already ended. So they're a team I want no part of in the playoffs. So, I
1: like that thought process. I mean, I think question. a couple things. Bogdanovich's decision told you all you need to know. And they had, they had already had trouble figuring things out. Like, I was very bullish on the Jazz, and it just didn't materialize. I thought Conley would be the right fit. Now he battled injuries. And they're working through some stuff. I mean, I think they they needed to figure some stuff out. But, I mean, obviously the Gobert-Mitchell uh, thing is was the, at the top of the list as well. I, I think that's a fair point. But I, it's just so tricky with the NBA because, you know, something we don't talk about nearly enough – in the association are key numbers, right? We know about in the NFL with three, four, six, and seven and the NBA hits, you know, five, six, and seven, those numbers. And so, you know, some, some of the sharpest books in the world will actually tax a half point buying one kind of like three and a half to three. When you have to buy that very few do, but some of the sharpest ones do. So I just think like the great equalizer is the point spread. Now there's other ways around that. You can do series prices, um, maybe a yes, no, if some books put that up, but it's just so tough when you have those key numbers in that strike zone of so many nba uh final 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 scores landing in that landing in that area
0: so i just want to point something out cuz we've got listeners that are in australia and they've started playing, you know, contact rugby back down there in australia, you know, we see what's going on with the bundesliga, the premier league coming up i know every country's different but don't you guys feel like, especially with this thought of maybe another way, it just feels like on some level, and I and I know that they can only do so much and they want to get the guys training again, but it just feels like, to me, the NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, they're all missing out on a pretty big opportunity here in June and July, not starting this stuff until then. And I don't know what the doctors are saying or the science behind it. But it just seems to me looking at things globally that I don't know, Doug, what your thoughts are, but it just seems like, I mean, I would try to have as little of my stuff in during football season as possible. If I were all three of those sports.
1: No, it's a fair point in a vacuum, right? In a perfect outcome. But, and we as human beings tend to assume the best outcome when assessing like sort of decision tree, if you will. And the problem is we just don't know. Like we don't have the data uh, in terms of the, the pandemic. And also like, let's remember, as, as Steve pointed out, the Gobert, Don and Mitchell thing, both guys were, Mitchell played, Gobert wanted to play, right? He was, they were going to, if he didn't, if the test didn't come back positive, he was going to play now because we've since learned about asymptomatic carriers, things like that. So we have no idea what's going to happen uh, if there's going to be quarantine players, I mean, we may have a lot of excitement building to that opening reopening night, but then like three days later, have it shut down. Like I don't know. I mean, things seem to be going just fine with soccer. But when you factor in the players unions, uh, I just think everyone sort of has a different goal. You mentioned it seems like an obvious idea to sort of seize the opportunity, right, of this bear sports market right now. But is that top on the list of players? Probably not. Is that top on the list of the league? it's higher on the list but maybe not number 1 player safety right so in, the, in this, when there's so many sort of different preferences and priorities that's what's happening with the missed opportunity i don't think that's like the fans getting
2: sort of that itch scratched this summer is number 1
1: i think no, there's a big
2: inter- difference between the nba and the nhl the nhl has all these international players that they have to get back in the country and the nba's along with the nhl their season had almost concluded MLB, I'm going to throw MLB under the bus here. This is ridiculous in my eyes that they don't recognize they have an opportunity that the sports betting scene in America is vacant right now in July, and it's going to be saturated come August for these guys to be arguing over money and not be able to come to agreement. And I'll be honest, I thought the owner's proposal where they came back and they were like, well, Mike Trout, you're going to make 22% of what you would have made was just ridiculous. But I think equally ridiculous is the players coming back and said, you know what, we should get paid the same per game as what we were going to get paid back in January, basically the pro rata idea, and proposing a an 114-game season to not end until Thanksgiving. Every fan wants baseball to start as soon as safely possible and have the season run through the end of September. That's about 82 games. I don't want any more proposals for 114 games. I don't want any proposals for 50 games. Guys, it's got to be 82 games. Let me settle it right now. Players, there's no revenue coming in at all from the gate, from the fans. You can't have what you were making per game. I understand that you thought you had some sort of an agreement. You got to take some um, haircut from that, some reduction, but it can't be 40% owners, so take – what the players were getting per game and give them 80 to 85% of that play 82 games. Boom. We'll have baseball July 4th.
0: So here's my next question, um, Doug, because I've been checking out your Twitter handle um, and you had a couple of things I thought were interesting. So first, are you betting on the Russian table tennis, Doug?
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's like my favorite thing in the world. (laughs) So wait, you got to tell
0: me, you got to tell me about this.
1: So I've tried to like, in a nutshell, capture sort of the excitement around it. It's basically blackjack for sports betting. You have what it does. I mean, and I only know the Russian pro league in Moscow. There's, there's Ukraine, there's Armenia, there's male, female, there's all these other leagues, but I focused on one. There's, I'm going to say there's about nine groups. Okay. And it's like nine groups of five players. So just think like the number A group or letter a group and then the worst, right? So the best guys have five. The next B group, second best is five and so each day they play like group play. So they, the five guys or four guys, sometimes one guy's off, they play each other. And then they do like a playoff after that, and then they're done. And then each group. So there's like three games going on every half hour, starting at midnight Eastern and going till like 7 p.m. So you have essentially 19 hours of, of ping pong. And they're every, they take about 15 minutes and they're every half hour. It's just amazing. And then you start to learn. So there's actually situational handicapping. There's um, the kind of analysis of styles. Great. You know, all, all styles make fights. So you have some guys who play the dink game. Some guys who always go for the overhead smash, the spin game. So it's, been, it's, it's fun to watch. I like it. At least some of the – and the best guys are the best. But the bad guys are pretty bad. You almost wonder if you can get a few points on them. And it's just – I don't know. It's, it's stimulating. And the nice thing is because it's on all day. You don't have to chase. You can fire a couple parlays or, or fire a couple of straight wagers. And just pick your spot. So I enjoy it. Um, is it football? Of course not. Is it basketball? No. But I actually
2: genuinely enjoy it.
0: Steve, I know you haven't gotten in on it because you don't know anything about it.
2: It's correct, but it sounds a lot to me like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with a blast poker tournaments. But essentially, it's a sit-and-go poker tournament where after six minutes, uh, the clock runs out and everyone's all in on every hand. And it sounds like that quick resolution aspect of it is appealing to a lot of gamblers that don't have to wait very long i haven't figured out how to beat it i will say this doug i am jealous that you are on the east coast now because some of the lines that are being put up in new jersey are just crazy in terms of the product and the fantasy football aspects of over-unders on all the quarterbacks and wide receivers and running backs. I know a whole lot of people in Vegas are looking at that marketplace saying, wow, I wish I was in Jersey. Yeah. I know
1: some pro betters who live in Vegas who have flown out just for like a couple days um, and done stuff and flown back. It's, it's cost effective according to them to get the prices that they want, the opportunity they want, just, you know, and then they fly on points or whatever and uh, get a dodge for a little bit. So, there's, uh, and it's only going to get better, right? I mean, we have, what is it, 18 states right now. And then with this sort of current economic climate slash uh, pandemic, I think local municipalities who maybe resisted it early on kind of don't have a choice now. So I actually think sports betting, again, just kind of speculating. But I think sports betting might benefit from the situation just because it might become, might be more, like, uh, uh, politicians might have to, like, be more inclined to pass the certain laws on a, on a,
2: on a quicker timetable. And a huge game changer could be California. And this everything that's going on and the economy that may be something that will put sports betting um, more towards the front of the line in California.
0: Yeah. So, guys, um, while we're recording this, Adrian Warjanowski is reporting that the NBA is inviting 22 teams to Orlando. They'll start July 31st. It's 13 Western Conference, 9 Eastern Conference, and they're going to play eight regular season games per team for playoff seeding. What's your reaction to that, Doug, now that we know a little bit more about the format? Eight regular season games per team play in for the eighth seeds.
1: It feels right. I don't think you could have sort of scrimmages and then go playoff games. I think that's, that feels right. I think there needs to be, there's nothing like game shape, things like that. And eight seems like the right number. Um, And I think as we think about this, remember people go home, right? There's going to be a handful of teams that go home uh, after those eight games because they don't qualify for the playoffs. And then the next round, there's going to be a handful of teams that go home as well. So I think it could work. Um, I'm just, I think there needs to be a. Polit- I'm very optimistic, but I'm cautiously optimistic. What's gonna do they gonna test players before the games? What's gonna happen? I mean, if we're looking at an NBA Finals game, whether it's Giannis, LeBron, Kawhi, whoever, you're telling me that they're gonna test players if Kawhi is an asymptomatic carrier and you know, and he tests positive, they're gonna like sit him right before the game. I, I, I need to. I'm curious about all this because it's almost like, and here's something I thought about. And I'm gonna talk about it on my podcast later. Like, is this become a situation where you can list players, much like you list pitchers in a baseball bet? Like, can I list LeBron when I make a bet, or, do I, or otherwise we just wait right until, like, two minutes before tip-off? So that's a, that's a question I have. Can I list the entire starting lineup for the Lakers that they have to play or have to start uh, because of any unexpected
2: curveballs? It's something well, to Doug, you, know this, you know this happens anyways in the NBA right now. So you can't list your players now. So I, I don't see that happening. One question, Ross, it's key. Are, is every team going to still make a qualifying round of the playoffs? So that's um, a good question. Like we were worried about like the yes-nos
1: of uh, the NBA. And I'm going to do a piece for yes for tomorrow. Uh, does this Is this an expanded playoff or is it regular season? And then like how do you – how do you classify which team's a playoff team? Is that what you're asking?
2: Well, I would expect that they, they're all going to make a qualifying round. So they're all going to play more than eight games. I would think that they'll just, you know, seed based upon their records after those eight games. And if you're the worst team, then you become, you know, the number 22 seed, depending. And, and then there'll be play in games to get into other play in games to face the eight seed, I would imagine.
0: Yeah, so here's what what I'm reading, guys. There's 16 current playoff teams. They've got uh, a bunch of teams that they're adding to it. They're going to play the eight regular season games. If the ninth seed is more than four games behind the eighth seed, number eight makes the playoffs. Fewer than four games behind, there's a play-in tournament. The play-in format requires a double elimination format for the eighth seed, a single elimination for the ninth seed per sources. And, guys, I'm starting to get a headache now. Now I'm like – now now they lost me a little bit there.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of sort of – like the last week of the regular season, right? The, the, one, the one we're used to. And when there's um, fine print on a lot of trades – and back when the Warriors had to lose to get in the top seven, things like that, um, we, you really sort of dictate who plays and what you you wonder sort of the, the game theory and the scheming that can go on here. But the fun part is, and it's kind of like what ping pong is, it's a clean slate for everyone. There was no one out there that was already a sharp in ping pong, right? It's just sort of, and in this situation, there's going to be a lot of sort of fact-finding <laughs> and sort of approaches that we haven't really seen anywhere else.
0: Excellent stuff, Doug. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Steve, you're always awesome. Before I forget, though, guys, one of the last things I wanted to mention is how excited I am. I mentioned it at the start of the show, but this new partnership with DraftKings, awesome. I know a lot of you already know them as the leader in daily fantasy sports, but they also have America's top-rated sports book app on my phone. DraftKings has brought their expertise to legal sports betting. And here's what I think is key. It's a legitimate sports book based right here in the U.S. So you can rest assured that your funds are totally secure. And UFC 250 is kicking off the June sports calendar with a bang. You can go to the DraftKings sports book. Put yourself in the center of the action with a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Here's all you need to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code ROSS when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That is right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Do not forget. Enter code ROSS and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match. Each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one hundred gambler or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Said it before, I'll say it again. Make sure you check out Andrew Brandt on today's Ross Tucker Football Podcast. He was excellent. We will be back next week with my buddy Will Brinson here on the Even Money Podcast. Another guy that's really into sports betting. Really looking forward to that. Other than that, I think we're done here. Good luck, everybody. Hope you guys win some money.